Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Making It. If this is your first time listening, my name is Mirabelle, and I chat with creatives about all things creativity, entrepreneurship, and mental health. Today on the podcast, I'm chatting with singer-songwriter, artist, great human being all around, Kate McGill. If you've listened diligently to this podcast, maybe you've heard me mention her a few times. She's the main reason I started streaming music on Twitch, and somebody who I've been following for, like, forever, so this is a bit of a full circle moment. It was very exciting to chat with Kate. We got into all the nitty-gritty of building a music career online, mainly, and through platforms like Twitch and YouTube. We talk about her band Meadowlark's experience being with labels versus being independent, which, for me, at least, was pretty interesting as I am a singer-songwriter who's only ever been independent up to this point so far. Um, and then and then we get deep. Kate literally has a podcast called We Dive Deeper, where they skip the small talk and just go for all the hard-hitting questions. I encourage you to go check it out. Go listen to Kate's music, um, but maybe after. Just finish listening to this episode and then go do all those things. And last but not least, you know the drill. Rate and review the podcast if you can, wherever you're listening. If you're watching on YouTube, then give it a like, drop a comment down below so I can say hello. Follow me, follow the podcast, follow Kate on all the social media things linked in the description. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, thank you for having me. Welcome to Making It. It's, I'm it's so great. happy to be here. It's really exciting because everybody, I've had a, a handful of Twitch music streamers on here. And so my question is always, we kind of always start off with like, how did you get started on Twitch? And so they ask right. me the same question and my answer is you <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and now you're here. I love that. <laughs> and now I'm here. What a lovely circle. Yeah. So... How did how did you get started on Twitch? How did I? Well, I guess I I always um like even when I back when I started on YouTube in like what 2007 or something. I remember like the blog TV days. Do you remember mm. those days? Mm -hmm. And so I I loved doing that um and I used to do it like religiously and obviously you couldn't get like paid for anything back then. It was literally just for the fun of it. Um, and then a couple years ago, now I think it was like 2020 actually, um, I just kind of had that urge again. I was like, I have so much free time. I live by myself. Like I'm really getting back into music again and playing it and just being obsessed with it again. And I was like, why don't I do it? And um, I'd seen Matt Autopilot as well. And I'd seen his streams and I was like, damn, that looks so fun. Mm -hmm. um, like really connecting with people um you get to play music for anyone who wants to listen like it just looked like an abs absolute dream so I um I think I just messaged him actually on discord and he was like well if you if you want to get involved I'll ring you and I'll tell you the whole shebang and I was like okay and then there was like a an hour two hour long chat he was like if you're in this like you have to be in it um so he walked me through everything walked me through all the equipment to get and stuff and that was it really like of course my first few streams are horrific quality all that kind of jazz just really not good but 
once you get in the swing of it again and you remember how it feels and oh it just there's like when you hit a peak in twitch and you're like really enjoying it it's like the best fucking feeling ever yes um and yeah i i felt that again for the first time in what like a decade so that was cool that's awesome yeah, yeah. matt autopilot is he's massive on twitch <laughs> absolutely huge he's amazing <laughs> he's absolutely incredible yeah but i mean we were just saying like hitting that point where singing songs on twitch gets kind of like not so fun anymore mm -hmm. i mean were you doing it consistently you're doing it you're doing it consistently boost yeah Tuesdays i was were a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and i think i matt was saying to me actually he was like you know if you want to reach an audience and get kind of like a consistent audience you have to be you have to like be consistent back you know you have to do the same amount of work mm. um but it just hits a point I don't know where it is or what it is that happens but I was doing it every Tuesday night I think at one point I was doing Tuesdays and Thursdays and then it went down to just Tuesday nights and that felt really good for a while um and then I think maybe it was like Christmas or there was some kind of break and I found it so much harder to go back to it yeah um and I'm not sure what it is. I think it's got to be something to do with covers. Um, I think it has to be that because there's, whenever I'm playing like original music, I'm like, I'm fully into it and I love it. Yeah, I don't know. But, and also like, I, th I don't think it's talked about enough that it, you have to like, it takes so much energy to do. You think it's just sat there like playing a guitar, but it's not, you have to be like on. <laughs> and I'm very much off like all of the time I'm at home alone all of the time so I'm very much off so to like mentally think I have to turn myself on that sounds really weird but like you know and then you have to like put makeup on and all that kind of stuff it just feels like such a mountain to climb all the yeah. time mm -hmm. um, and also recently I've been playing so much original stuff that I know I definitely can't play on Twitch and that's pretty much all I want mm. to fucking play at the minute so there are so many things at play but do you do you relate do you feel similarly yes because i've been like streaming consistently since basically when i started and the only breaks i've ever really taken are if i have other commitments or if i'm like out of town or something right um but like i've found that doing different because like i've composed on stream also or mm -hmm. like i've produced done whatever else that that's kind of helped but I definitely feel like it's it's really hard. Once you take that break, it's really hard to come back and like have it feel normal and good. And <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like exercise in a way. Once you're in mm. a groove of it and your body like remembers it and is like, yeah, this is amazing. And you yeah. hit a stride, it's, it's wonderful. But getting back on the horse after a break's <laughs> weirdly difficult. Yeah. And also like just seeing the numbers because <laughs> like having it so consistent you see like your number of subscribers and the viewers mm -hmm. and like it's it's nice and but when you leave for a bit and come back because like the subs renew every month and so it's not like a yeah stable thing and so like I came back and the first thing I saw were like the numbers were lower and I got sad and I was like well yeah it shouldn't matter but it kind of does and yeah it sucks <laughs> yeah and I don't think that is necessarily spoken about because no one wants to really be honest about that and say that uh numbers matters to them or like the amount of subscribers matters to them but at the end of the day it's kind of like 
it's work like you're you're putting mm. all of this effort in and so you it feels like a lot to give and when it's like you don't really feel like it's maybe being reciprocated in any way yeah it can feel very demotivating which like you say it shouldn't be about that at all but we're like we're human beings it, it can't mm. especially in this day of like social media it's very hard for it not to be about that you have to be like buddha for it to like to just be like no it's just about the music man because yeah. it's, it's hard to get there mentally you know yeah what did you get me into <laughs> i know i'm so sorry <laughs> tell you what the people though the community like every time when i have like gone on a big break and then gone back that first stream back more is like oh my god why don't i do this all the time because the people you just have such a good time. And actually, I never thought of Twitch as a place where people could discover your music. I always just thought it was, I don't, I don't know. I never thought of it in that way. So when other people were kind of coming on the stream, like, oh, wow, this is a really good song. I'm going to look you up. I was like, fuck, people find <laughs> you from Twitch? That's mad. Um, so there's so many pros. I just yeah. need to like get my head out of my ass, I think. <laughs> yeah, Twitch is basically where like my community started growing. And so mm -hmm. that's the only place where people really were discovering my music. Right. Like I've been putting out stuff on Instagram and YouTube, but like not consistently and not like full on songs or anything. So like Twitch yeah. is pretty much where people were discovering my music. So that is nothing new to me. But I guess wow, yeah. like you started off with other platforms and such. So I guess it's different. <laughs> yeah. And I, I sadly think it's much harder now. Like as the internet has gone on for a decade and now everyone is trying to make some sort of living off the yeah. internet through promoting something, it is like, it's a minefield, especially for music. Now everything's becoming like video app type things. TikTok. It's <laughs> almost impossible to promote music. Me and my friend were just talking about it earlier. It's like, it's a horrible thing to have to like wade through at the minute. Mm. Yeah. I mean, TikToks are now taking over and I don't, I, I can't get into it. I don't know how and I just don't want to like, I feel like there's a form that you kind of have to follow for TikTok to, to mm. have viral videos and such. And like, I just can't do that. I don't, it just doesn't <laughs> feel good and I don't understand how and I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know. I feel like such a grandma at the minute trying to work <laughs> it because we you know, I want to make sure that whilst I have this time and this ability to be able to like make, I guess, my career as best as I can, I don't want to, to waste any of the opportunity. And so whilst I have the time, I'm like, I should, in theory, be doing everything possible to make social media be growing so that more people can hear our music. But with that, just, I mean, I guess there's parts of every job you don't like, but mm. I it's so sad that like nearly all your time has to be spent like figuring out different apps and algorithms and marketing and like you have to do absolutely everything. It's mm. it's a horrible part of the job, that's for sure. Do you think that's like being an independent artist kind of thing or if you're still, if you're on a label that you kind of still have to do all this yourself? <laughs> well, it depends on nice your label, I guess. Like mm -hmm. we've never, we've never had a a label that have wanted to do all our social media for us but I guess it's it's more genuine authentic isn't it if it's actually from you so it makes more sense but god if a if a label took hold of all of that somehow and just followed us around I'd be absolutely fine with that <laughs> but no nah, I think it is actually just it's just being an artist in general mm-hmm
Yeah. I mean, you guys were with, I say you guys because Meadowlark is your band, but you guys were with a label and now you're not. (laughs) Now we're not, yeah. It's, um, we've still got three more acoustic tracks to come out, which are with them. Um, But they were, we kind of told them our woes um, and they were nice enough to, yeah, say like, you you obviously, we're not going to keep you here if you don't want to be here, which is so rare for a label to do that so incredibly rare um Mm -hmm. so we're really 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 grateful to them for (laughs) listening to us there do you want to share any of pros and cons of being with a label and slash being an independent artist again oh man it's uh (laughs) it's hard (laughs) to think of pros i'm not gonna lie which is so weird isn't it because you would just think it's the opposite um having said that guestimate who we were with before they let us go for the second album nightstorm they i I, we can't say a bad word about them genuinely this isn't even me trying to placate it it was they are lovely people as you can see by how they let us go um and they loved us very much and we were not in a good place as a, as a band mm. uh, when it came to the second album. So it was like getting blood out of a stone for them. Um, so they tried their absolute best. We were just not the best band to be with. Um, but labels on the whole, to be honest, I just, I have such a negative view of it because I see, I see the people around me and my own experiences of how you can do it independently and how you can do it independently so incredibly well and it be so beneficial to you in lots of ways that you just don't need another person taking a piece of the pie, especially when, you know, back in the day they were absolutely necessary because there wasn't the internet or social media mm. and they had all the the power essentially, but now they really don't. Anyone can upload their music to Spotify and be put on a, playlist and get lots of streams like anyone can do that so it's you can't help but think okay so what are you doing you know like it's it so I I have a very negative view but only because I'm so fiercely like and this is Keena's doing as well to be fair just very like look you can do it independently so why the hell would you give 50% of something that you made away for 10 years to someone who what just what might send it to a couple of people might do you know what I mean it's just yeah. not worth the percentage it's just not so mm. I'm yeah absolutely fucking no pros <laughs> <laughs> I hope they don't hear this they're gonna think I'm awful <laughs> but yeah what what was happening with Meadowlark for your second album where you're saying things were not good yeah well it was just such a weird phase of life, like personally as well. Like we'd kind of been touring the first album, Postcards, and we were at a point where like that was like taking it out of us in a big way. Um, I don't necessarily enjoy touring and Dan kind of does, but with the setup we had, there was just so much gear and everything was on Ableton and we had pads and God knows what else going on. There was, it was such a ridiculously intense show for just two people and a drummer Mm. and so we made life quite hard for ourselves and because of that we were by the end of like a touring cycle we were both like this is going to be impossible to keep up this just feels 
draining mentally and very much physically <laughs> and so there was that coming and then there was personally just you know dealing with different things like my mum or breakups and lots of like house moves in the middle of all that and so we Dan and I just it's not we've always been friends we've never not been friends by any means but we were not we were not at a place where we were like I guess actual friends like meeting up and um it just wasn't easy for a while like mm. I have my own shit going on then there was a pandemic like it just and yeah. the thought of like because the second album was made predominantly by us Dan Dan's production a lot of it um it felt like pulling teeth when we when it had to like at some point the label was kind of like look you're contractually obligated to release this album you have to you have mm. to give it to us type thing so we were like okay like and this was our I think Appetite came out like three years before the actual album came out like oh. it was it was such a ridiculous maybe two years but it was a really long time no wonder mm. they hated us um <laughs> and so then eventually when we were like I guess it was contractually it was getting to the end of the period they we they could have asked for the advance back at that point because we just weren't giving them what they needed mm -hmm. so me and Dan were like right we're gonna have to get together and sort our shit out so we went down to Totnes and worked with our friend Tommy and it was in that process of like getting all the songs up figuring out what they all needed finishing them off that we were like oh my god we love spending time with each other this is so <laughs> fun and what have we been doing all this time and we absolutely needed all that time to go and do our own stuff like I started doing my own stuff more and uploading to Spotify and found much joy and happiness in that and Dan was like absolutely killing it in the music video world mm -hmm. and still very much is so we kind of got everything out of our systems and then when we came back together again it was like it just felt like a breath of fresh air again and finally felt joyful again so whilst it was very tough to get to the point of putting out the second album it probably was the second album that has made us come back together stronger than ever really dang what a story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty boring one, to be fair. <laughs> no, that's... How did you guys... How did you two meet and start Metal Arc? I don't know if I know I, that. <laughs> oh, man. Um, how did we meet? So Dan actually produced my second ever music video as Kate McGill, Cursed. So he'd been a music video f director forever. And we both used to live in Plymouth. Um, and so I knew of him... Um, just from both being in Plymouth and I knew of him on like MySpace and he was like a <laughs> full-on emo. Um, and then I think like back when I just started uploading YouTube covers, I sent him the Dallas Green cover, Happiness by the Kilowatt. Um, and so we'd kind of spoken then and he, so then, yeah, he, I employed him, I guess, for my second ever music video. And then um, we kind of became friends from there and then I moved up to Bristol in like 2012 and he came up to see a gig um, and he stopped by and we were just talking about it. And that was around the time that I was kind of at the end of my YouTube section of life where I was just like, I don't I don't know if I want to do this anymore or be known as like the cover girl. I kind of mm. want to do my own thing. Um, and then I think he went home and I messaged him on his way home being like, would you ever be up for like jamming or writing together? Because 
we both loved Bon Iver and we both loved Fleet Foxes and we'd always like talk about that. And obviously he came up to see a gig of the tallest man on earth, which is very much our type of music. Um, and then, yeah, he messaged back being like, oh my God, like we were thinking the exact same thing. Like <laughs> you've read our minds because there were three of us in the band at the very beginning. So yeah, and then like, I think it was like a week or two later, I went down to Plymouth and we started jamming and stuff really. The rest is history. That's fun. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's a wild ride. The way that you two, because Nightstorm, the, the single Nightstorm, the way that you wrote that, didn't you, how did you guys come up with that song? <laughs> yeah, so we wrote, wrote it with a guy called Erland Cooper. And I think I had the piano riff um, and we knew that we wanted it to kind of like base around that. And I think, I can't remember what is like how the I think I was going through like my own um not breakup stuff but definitely like relationship kind of problems mm -hmm. and I had been speaking to Dan about that and probably Erland because it was I, I remember we were also writing a song that day called Head Cloud because I was very much in like a just an anxious state all mm -hmm. the time about my relationship um and so that was kind of the topic I think and then Erland was like you know, why don't you go and write separately, like two different verses about how you're kind of feeling right now or something like that. And then um, we just kind of came together and like smushed it all together. And like, we have completely different melodies, but they're on top of each other. And it's, yeah, it's beautiful. We, we really love Nightstorm for That's that so reason. Cool. It was just, yeah, it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> what is like your writing process for your when you're by yourself or maybe for Meadowlark too. Yeah. Uh, I, d I would love to say that there's a process, but it's so <laughs> like, I'm sure, you know, it just like every time is so different. Mm. Um, recently a specific tuning on my guitar has like so many songs have come from this specific tuning. So that's definitely something buying a new instrument has absolutely <laughs> like changed my life. Um, yes. But yeah, normally, normally, I'd say like maybe 70% of the time, it's like a chord progression or a picking pattern or something that I'm just playing around with that, that you eventually you'll land on something and like your body will get like tingly, like this is it. This is the one that you need to kind of go on with. Mm -hmm. um, or sometimes it will be like a specific lyric or like an idea that I'll, I'll base the kind of song around that. Um, but normally, normally I reckon it would start with like a chord progression of some sort. Mm -hmm. Um, is it similar for you? Yeah. Well, I pick up my guitar and I play random chords and I just kind of hum along and then, yeah. you know, like gibberish words, Yeah, nothing makes sense. And then eventually yeah. something will click. Um, yeah. Do you get bored of the same chords? I do. I know. <laughs> I've I'm realized like, how... that like I have so many songs with like the capo on this fret and like yeah. just these two chords and I'm like I feel like I need something new but I don't know what to do. Yes. Sometimes. Well, actually I can thank Gabrielle Applin for this tuning. You should, I think did I I must have spoken about this on a Twitch stream. It's like all standard tuning apart from the B string is tuned down to an A and it will change your life. I should try it. <laughs> Definitely try it. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks, Gabrielle Applin. <laughs> I know, right? I genuinely need to message her and be like, thank you so much. <laughs> she's amazing also. Yeah, she's incredible. Oh, my God. Everyone you, is. 
You have very talented friends. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd love to say that she's a friend. I guess she's more of an acquaintance, but I think um, a lot of it's just kind of like back in the YouTube days in 2007. I, I doubt like we'd have that connection now if we started, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's purely luck. Yeah. So like when you were writing and you, you said, um, you mentioned like having an idea but like what kind of because for me sometimes most of the time it's like things that I can't stop thinking about or mm. you know that's really annoying and frustrating in my life but I yeah. don't want that to be like how I write songs because I don't want everything to be you know, like depressing or like <laughs> <laughs> but that's where the best like music comes from though isn't it it's like from a- actual kind of like pain and that like that's kind of what people connect to the most or what I mean a lot of the time that's why I want to listen to me like if I want to listen to something that's make gonna make me happy I'll listen to like dance music and pop music but like the kind of stuff we do that's that's for the emotional I want to like sit down and feel stuff so it True. makes so much sense to write about anything that is not and also like it's genuine therapy if it's on your brain all that much like mm-hmm. if there's an outlet and you can use it for that way and it may actually help people in some way or connect with someone or make someone in the world feel less alone because they know that you have felt that too mm. bingo that's all you <laughs> need right mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's yeah, been crazy I, like hearing people talk about how your music has helped them in a way or like I don't understand how that works <laughs> I know it just never gets understood mm-hmm. ever no matter I reckon like I reckon you could even be Ariana Grande and still be like really there are people that like this actually helped them <laughs> it's not something I'll ever really understand to be fair mm-hmm. we're, we're in cool. very like privileged cool <laughs> positions to be able to to do that aren't we yeah yeah I was just thinking the other day how crazy it is that we get to like make things out of nothing really we get to create things how amazing is that (laughs) it is absolutely insane like I'll write a song and a lot of the time you know like that initial time period after writing a song where you just want to listen to it again and again and Mm -hmm. you love it so much and you just think like no one else in the world has written this song like this this has never before existed until I just wrote it just then and it like that to me is absolutely <laughs> mental it makes me feel like some sort of wizard do you know what I mean yeah. and yeah. I'm don't get me wrong I'm not saying like these songs are fucking incredible but <laughs> what I do know is that song didn't exist five minutes ago and that's pretty yeah. cool yeah you know? and like thinking about classical music like those pieces were written hundreds and hundreds of years ago and they still exist now but yeah. like the music that we have now did not exist back then like yeah it's weird (laughs) yeah it's just there's so much fucking music Mm -hmm. (laughs) never ending it's great um yeah you're talking about youtube and how is that basically where you got started yeah i think so i there was you know as with all those things it was never like an intention i never ever ever actually thought (laughs) i wanted to make music a career until like well I mean, a couple years into it, really. Mm. Because I I had never, yes, I liked to sing, but I never thought I had, like, 
any kind of gift to share. Do you know what I mean? I just kind of was, I don't know. So I think I just bought like a really crap nylon, like acoustic guitar on eBay <laughs> and then just like learned the most basic of chords. I couldn't do F chords for fucking ages. So I just like skirt, just wanted to play songs with like C and A minor and like yep. really easy chords. Um, and so, and I just did that because I absolutely loved to do it and I loved to sing. And so that was just a wonderful thing to do. I, I can't really remember why I started uploading to YouTube necessarily. I think the first things I started uploading were like piano videos. I don't think oh, they yeah. were even me singing. Um, so I had absolutely no intention of it ever doing anything. And I don't even remember like... I think a lot of this just actually comes down to my bad memory because I'm sure there were <laughs> there were points where I was like, oh, I really want to write a song now, but I I can't remember at mm. all like how how that all evolved and how I wrote a I, I don't because I have absolutely no recollection basically, but mm -hmm. I'm grateful for past Kate for getting me here very much so. <laughs> yeah, were you so you were like uploading covers basically, right? When did you like decide? that you were gonna keep that a consistent thing? I don't think there were, was ever a decision. I think I was so like in the flow of it and mm -hmm. absolutely obsessed with it. And like back then it was just so much easier. My God, you just had a digital camera and just pressed, <laughs> pressed like record and then put it on your laptop and just like, there was no, none of this kind of like crazy, ridiculous like production stuff like there is now. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I think that, that is a there's a lot to be said for that but yeah I don't think there was ever a decision I think I was just absolutely obsessed with it and just wanted to do it all the fucking time yeah um yeah and I don't think I even realized the gravity of it when it was happening like now I can look back and I'm like wow like there were a hell of a lot of people looking at my videos and like mm -hmm. I I gained quite an audience and I have I don't think I knew how cool that was as it was happening. Do you know what I mean? I think it yeah. almost took like a few years to go away from YouTube and start again with something new to be like, damn, that was, that was very precious. And I'm almost glad that I didn't know the gravity of it because then I would have been so scared to lose it. And I probably would have, you know, tried to go the extra mile to like make sure that people liked me more. And so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad that I didn't know because I was just being my self throughout the whole thing. But yeah. Um, it's very cool to look back at as a time of life, that's for sure. So why'd you, why'd you stop doing it? <laughs> <laughs> why did I stop? Um, I get, I, my ego got involved, to be honest. Mm. Like I, I remember as we all do at some point in our lives, Googling myself and like my Wikipedia, I think it still says this to be fair, but it's like Kate McGill is known for her covers of Mumford and Sons and Adele or whatever. Um, and I think at that point I was writing enough of my own music to be like, I don't want to be known for that. Like, mm, yeah. um, and I, and I, it was around the time that I was starting to get obsessed with like Ellie Golding and Keena Granis, funnily enough. And I, <laughs> so I was, I was very much, I'm seeing all these like women write their own songs and kind of come up and make their own thing. I was like, I can do that. I know I can do that. But I know that if I keep, putting all of my energy into covering other people's songs I'm that's not going to get me very far type thing yeah. I'm going to have to like put more energy into my own stuff so it's ego thing but also just to as with everything in my entire life every decision I make is just based purely on like a gut instinct and so 
the whole world. I remember on that YouTube video, I was like, what are you doing? You're like the peak of your mm. YouTube kind of career. Like, why would you just stop uploading? Mm. And I def- that definitely like, you know, I definitely thought about that for a time, but I just knew instinctively to, that I wanted to do something different. Mm. I'm so glad I did. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. mentioned Kina and like, you guys are like best friends now, which is great. <laughs> That's absolutely mad. weird how that works out. <laughs> Very weird. I, I say this to her often, Amory, I'll like be talking to them and I'm like, I'll just get flashes of being like an 18 year old being like, <laughs> I'm talking to Marie and Kina Kranis. <laughs> and I come back to the room and I'm like, oh yeah, this isn't vaguely normal now. But I was like, I was such an inc- super fan of Kina. Like I... Yeah, it's a it's how fucking cool is the internet that it can bring people together like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I would have never even known she existed had it not been for YouTube. So, yeah, yeah very 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 cool and very grateful for that. Mhm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's Twitch for me basically right now cuz yeah. it's connected me with so many people that like either I've followed for a while like yourself or people yeah. just other musicians that I didn't know existed until now and like we're collaborating and it's <sighs> super cool <laughs> it's amazing like yeah. that's I mean the internet has its fucking faults but that you can't deny how cool that is like yeah we're two people who probably never would have crossed paths but like no. we're spending a Tuesday Wednesday evening together I think that's really <laughs> fucking cool yeah yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what happened after Twitch or YouTube? <laughs> They're the same. What thing happened? Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they basically are. Um What happened? Well, we had a we had quite a like we've had quite a backwards career as Madalot. Like we had an insane start, mm. weirdly. And then it just kind of like tailed off to in the last like however many years um so near the beginning i think uh i think there was some and don't get me wrong i'm not calling myself some kind of beyonce but there was just (laughs) some some questioning as to what i was going to do next because Mm. there's such a dramatic end on youtube and then i think i must have been posting some things like something's coming you know and back then people cared about that people don't necessarily care about that now um so I knew a promoter um, who was like really supportive of me um, and he asked if we wanted to support a Bastille show in Coventry and as I'd done a cover of Bastille when they were like very much in the beginning of their like careers I knew of Dan and Woody the drummers from Plymouth so there was that connection so they kind of said yes like they can open up so we did one tiny gig just to like make sure that we weren't going to fuck everything up. But our <laughs> first proper gig was like supporting Bastille. And then Gabrielle Applin let us open up for her tour. And then Lewis Watson lets us open up for his. And then we had like Stornaway, I think. There was so, it was such a year of like insane stuff that like no, no other musician starting out would be able to kind of have those opportunities. So we were mm-hmm. so incredibly lucky. Um, for that kind of start and we were doing much like folkier stuff at the beginning um and obviously we're a three-piece it was a very very different meadowlark to what it is now that's for sure mm-hmm. um but yeah it was it was very very fun and very much a specific era of meadowlark that we're very grateful for but it's just it's not 
like that now and in in good ways too like you know now there's two of us and we're much more like aware of the music industry we might we do what we want to do now um Mm -hmm. you know so on and so forth but it was a very fun time that's for sure yeah do you think you'll you mentioned not wanting to play live shows and such (laughs) is that just never going to happen again or (laughs) well never say never (laughs) never say never but um you know some of the stuff that dan and i have been writing uh it's i could very much see me wanting to do some live shows with those songs because they just feel so right and so good to sing and so like they just fill me with joy um and and we've we've discussed the idea of like because we've not made it a secret that i don't like shows (laughs) um and you know we we were very honest online about when we had a i think a show in germany and we didn't sell many tickets at all and we were honest about that online we're like look the reason that we're cancelling it is purely because we didn't sell enough tickets mm. um it's very 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 hard to sell tickets to gigs um so there's there's so many layers to it and that that can affect you mentally as a band when you know that all that upheaval that financial upheaval as well Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be worth it. So, with all that in mind, we did think maybe we could do literally one show a year, <laughs> and it could we would change, you know, change the location every single time. But people knew that if they wanted to come and see us, they literally had one chance that year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's an idea we floated around. We we don't really know as of yet. We're focusing on just kind of like enjoying being in a band together at this point, but. Um. Yeah, never say never, but I, I, I don't like live shows really. Why? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I think because there are so many parts of it, I can't, I can't be present. I'm so anxious all the time, so I just mm. have such stayed fright. I'm, I'm just, so I'm like always in my head and it's not a nice place to be like constantly especially when I'm a very chilled person at home mm. so that like dynamics very different um there's so much waiting around I don't like that bit um as when you don't have like budgets you know like you have to stay in a hotel room with people who snore so you don't sleep well and then and then like you don't have a sound guy because you can't afford it and so ev- there's everything is <laughs> rightly so at that point that's kind of what you have to do I guess to build your audience but it's so unenjoyable at that level for me personally that it just never feels worth it and my ego gets not ego as in um you know like an an arrogant part of me it's mm-hmm. nothing like that I mean more like the spiritual ego type thing is kind of like it just feels so wrong because when I speak to people after there's an immediate like like pedestal type thing like they see you as someone they've come and seen and and like whilst it's obviously wonderful and and you're very grateful to people for people to come there's this just immediate disconnect I'm like I'd rather just see you in like a Wetherspoons and just talk to you but like when there's after a show there's like a 
it just feels uncomfortable. I'm like, why mm. are you looking at me like this? Like, we're just, I'm just a person. Do you know what I mean? It just feels so wrong. I'm like, there's just so much to it that I find hard to deal with. And so I'd rather just not do them. Does that make sense? I can't yeah, work out. Definitely. I can. It's hard to be honest about that bit because I think people think I'm being really ungrateful, but it's not a lack of gratitude by any means. It's just really uncomfortable for me I just want to like especially with all that adrenaline and anxiety before I go on I immediately just want to go and sit in a room by myself I don't want to see anyone (laughs) so when you have to like go down and there are people that I don't know suddenly like want you to sign something or they're just weirdly enamored with you and you just know like beforehand you're just downing wine because you're so nervous you're just like this feels so weird man like this is not a normal human interaction so it's just i hope that makes sense but i don't know it might make me come across terribly has there ever been a time where that you had a good like end of gig thing (laughs) feeling yeah yeah definitely i i always appreciate it when um like the people who come to the metal art shows are so wonderful and there's much like twitch actually it's like a community of people the same um supporters come up and so that's really cool because you get to like you're like oh hey I remember you from last time how's this and you like so that part of it's really cool mm-hmm. um and you do get to like realize and see in real time oh people actually like our music and like people would pay money and they actually like give up their evenings to come and see you that's really really cool so it's like it's soul food in a way mm-hmm. but it also it like it's also mind food <laughs> that I don't want to feed that thing you know yeah yeah makes sense <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> yeah well that's interesting because it seems like well I mean you don't really hear that many people talk about how they don't like live shows <laughs> yeah and like you hear people talk about all the other factors of you know like how hard it is to sell tickets and and like all the all the behind the scenes kind of stuff that goes on and and all that tiring stuff but they don't really talk about that <laughs> no it, i i definitely feel um i've met a couple people in the last like year or so who also don't like live gigs and that makes me feel a lot better because i'm like oh, thank god i'm not an actual <laughs> alien because it is very rare to find musicians who don't want to go out there and just play their music yeah. um but yeah, I'm I'm happy to be a minority in that case. I don't mind. But what if like the live gig setting was more intimate or like it wasn't like a formal like at a venue kind of thing. Maybe it's like at someone's house, like a house concert and it's yeah, very I'd chill pro- and intimate. I, I think I'd enjoy that more. Yeah. I think I think basically, I mean, who does? But I don't like feeling nervous and shows make me feel so nervous that the whole day beforehand like I can't really eat and so th- it's that element that I'm desperately trying to get away from and it doesn't matter if that's a nice lounge of people or like an arena or just like my friend I couldn't do like all of them terrified me do you know what mm, I mean yeah it's also it's like an imposter syndrome <laughs> thing like I I I can look objectively and be like okay you've been like a a professional musician for 10 years now you must be doing something right but then I'll sit at home by myself and I'm like practicing and I legitimately like nearly cry a lot of the time because I'm like I can't sing like I find this so difficult 
and like I can't reach notes that I used to and mm. I can just lit I can literally hear the decline in my voice over the years and it's so depressing and so like confidence knocking that the last thing I want to do is go and sing in front of people and feel that 10 times more mm-hmm. especially my hearing's terrible as well so if the sound isn't right in my ears and I'm already feeling like I can't hear myself and then I can't sing on top of that mm-hmm. there are just so many elements to it that just make me want to chuck myself off a bridge <laughs> oh my god that's yeah. intense but you Fair get what enough. I mean <laughs> yeah yeah but like that's probably another reason why I don't like twitch as well to be fair <laughs> I mean but like you saying that like your voice declining and such I don't think other people view it that way and like it's just our voices change and that's just it's just different in different parts of our lives and I don't know if it's really I don't know <laughs> yeah and I think you are you are right and a lot of it comes down to just kind of like a self-love self-acceptance thing Mm -hmm. because regardless of why my voice has changed over the last decade the fact is it has there's no point like crying about it like my voice is just different now but I think I you know I look back at old YouTube covers and I I'm legitimately like shocked I'm like I sound so high like how did I ever sing those notes in like a chest voice Mm. um and i yeah and now i can i feel like i can barely reach notes that are very normal for a lot of people and i don't know if it's because my voice in meadowlark is always very like whispery so i've just not used that part of my voice for a very long time so it's very lazy now but yeah like like we say regardless what it is it just is my voice now and I'm, I'm definitely um I am learning to love it in different ways now I I can still write music that's not being taken away from me I can still enjoy singing mm. that's not being taken away from me um so I've got absolutely nothing to complain about um mm. but yeah it's it's just uh it's an insecurity you know yeah if you couldn't do music in any of those aspects what would you be doing Ooh, that is a great question couldn't be doing music i'd want to help people in some way specifically women i think like um in like a domestic abuse shelter or something um yeah or like um a counselor or a therapist or something um Mm. something in that field i think maybe (laughs) I lost my train of thought. I don't know where I was going after this. (laughs) (laughs) What would you do? Oh, man. I don't. I would obviously want to help people also, but I have no idea in what facet I would do that. Yeah. But I mean, photography and video has always been like my other hobby thing. So maybe delve more into that. (laughs) But I hate not thinking. I hate thinking about not being able to do music at all. Because that's like my life <laughs> yeah say so, i mean to be fair though like i i think about that every now and again and i just i reach the point where i'm like it's not it's literally not an option for me like i will make sure music is my life i will make sure of it that i won't go back to doing like the stuff that makes me want to die like retail <laughs> jobs and stuff that was so unfulfilling for me yeah. personally um and now that i ha- i'm living this life i'm like I will do anything to make sure I will you know I mean I just 
it's not an option for me yeah. to not do this so and we're lucky we do have the internet now like there are so many ways to make like mm. we probably couldn't have been independent musicians 20 years ago it wasn't within our like no. you know <laughs> realm of reality whereas now it very much is and we can do it so mm-hmm. and there's always going to be new ways to like promote yourself or like make money from it i think on the internet so we're in a good time we're in a really <laughs> good like time for for making like independent musicians i think mm-hmm. yeah for, for making it yeah but <laughs> making it zing um yeah I, there's so much stuff though like to keep track of you know we were just talking about like that all the all the social media things that you have to do and like i mean and I'm producing all my own stuff and mixing and mastering now and like it's super fun but it's also sometimes like well I kind of wish I didn't have to do all of this myself. <laughs> oh my god yes I can so relate especially when like you know some people go to like college or university for those kind of skills I don't know how to fucking mix or master <laughs> do you know what I mean I'm just guessing every single time mm. and eventually I mean you can't help but get better at it I guess but mm-hmm. like every skill that we have to learn as an independent musician like it's not taught you just have to kind of learn it on the job and there are so many skills that you have to learn (laughs) like you have to learn lighting and videos and then photos and marketing and social media mixing and mastering (laughs) and like comping and then your actual instruments and then Mm -hmm. songwriting there's not like it's full-on man it's fucking brilliant but like (laughs) it's not like a you have to know a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're just yeah. like our own little production company. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of cool, actually. I, I forget sometimes, like, I'll, I'll be talking to my friends about, I don't know, certain mixed things or whatever. And they're like, what What do you mean by that? I'm like, oh, I forget this isn't like normal lingo. Like, I'm used oh gosh, to yeah. being That's in studio environments where it's very normal. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, it makes sense. You didn't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. I like try to explain things to my friends about like a sound quality kind of thing or something in the mixing and just they're like I don't know what you're saying (laughs) this doesn't make sense to me but like (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah I remember trying to um explain what a key change was to my sister-in-law and I was like the best example of it is love on top by Beyonce you know you hear the end and it just keeps going up and she's like I don't get what you mean I'm like how do you not hear that I'm so confused (laughs) But I, I don't know if she's like acting dumb because anyone can hear that, right? Mm-hmm. Man. <laughs> Is your, do you have other people in your family who are musical? Weirdly, no. No? Not, no, not at all. Like, I mean, I guess I've got some cousins and stuff in some bands, but like, it's, and we had a piano in our house growing up, but it's not like my mum or dad were like musical or, I don't know, it was, it was just not really a thing growing up. So it's a, I'm definitely the anomaly, mm. which I'm happy to be. Did you? Did you have lots of music growing up? Yeah, my mom is a musician. So she... Oh, amazing. Yeah, she plays the Chinese zither, or it's called the guzhen. Oh my God, what the <laughs> hell is that? It's like, it's like a long horizontal harp kind of thing. It's like, wow. it sits on two legs. So it's kind of like you're sitting at a little table. <laughs> and it has Wait, like... How do you how do you spell that? I want to look it up after. Uh... G-U-Z-H-E-N-G. Oh, amazing. Oh, thank you. Okay, yeah, I'm going to look up that after. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Is it difficult to play? Uh, 
I mean, is any instrument difficult to play? Mm. Like some are more though, right? Like a violin, you you can't be like mediocre at a violin. You're either like incredible or terrible. Mm. <laughs> yes, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess it's sort of like piano. Like you can just pluck uh, the strings and it'll sound good, basically. Oh, okay. Right? All right, I'm on board. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so my mom, because um, they immigrated from Taiwan, and they had me when they moved to Canada. But like right. when they were back in Taiwan, uh, she was playing in their orchestra, like Taiwanese, their national orchestra or whatever. So wow. like coming here, yeah, like my brother and I basically had to learn that growing up. And like she taught us piano. There's just music always around the house. Wow, like, no wonder you are who you are, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. It, it's nice and to have like someone to relate to in that, in yeah. that way. Yeah. And so yeah. your brother is musical too? No. <laughs> no? No. He he pretty much just stopped. Like, we did the piano lessons and then flute is what I took from him actually also. So like he did flute in band and then in junior high and then he quit. He just stopped playing all instruments and so I picked it up and then, yeah, so it became my thing, I guess. Right. Yeah. What's your favorite instrument to play? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> They're all so different. I don't uh, guitar. What are you best though. at? Would you say <laughs> guitar? Oh man, I don't. I don't know. Like I did a whole masters in flute performance, so like I'm pretty okay with that now. That instrument. <laughs> wow, but you're I amazing. Think, <laughs> but I think like like I've been talking about this a lot on my like Twitch streams, where I kind of end up ranting about school. <laughs> really, <laughs> but like. The because classical music has been, I think flute kind of was boxed into this like classical music realm, and you know there are certain sets of expectations and standards and like you almost kind of have to play perfectly for things right. and you know that's just not how music is though, but we get so caught up in like having to do it perfectly and so I kind of lost the joy in playing that instrument, but then that makes sense because of covid and like you can't play with anybody and school became right. online which is terrible for music school <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that sounds horrific yeah it did not work out very well i yeah. mean it worked out but it was not fun um <laughs> and with like twitch and stuff i just started playing recording myself playing flute and then playing with myself and eventually like i could take that out of the class school box of like perfectionism <laughs> yeah amazing yeah it's great yeah, but like guitar has always been the thing that I picked up if I wanted to just have fun or chill and like, yeah, so I don't That's know. That's so cool. Hey, what are your thoughts on, because um, this has been a whole topic of conversation for me and Dan recently, like imperfect stuff within music, like, you know, kind of like fluffing up chords here and there and like leaving that in and like mouth clicks and hearing stuff in the background and all that kind of like imperfect stuff do you like that kind of stuff or do you try to make your stuff as clean and as sparkly as possible I think I've tried to make it as clean as possible but I would like to not be so perfect with it because like it, it's that's what it is like that's just I, I don't know like the that the imperfections is what makes it fun I think yeah yeah and like it's 
like when you're improvising and you play a wrong note like you that's not there's no right or wrong in music really it's just yeah. that's just the way it is you just yeah you're making music it's all music and it's like played by a like a live human being that's yeah like changing every single second that's gonna like affect the music that it's playing exactly yeah. i i have had to i think i listened so much pop music because i love <laughs> pop music mm -hmm. that i'm just used to hearing the sparkly polished stuff and don't get me wrong i like i come from like the bonnevere stuff too like i mm. love that but i guess i in my head i reserved that right to just kind of those incredible like folk mm. musicians yeah and i never really thought i was kind of <laughs> I don't know in that bracket so I was mm. always I've always been very much like no clean up everything and make it sound as like listenable as possible I mean that's kind but, of like um, the standard of what what you hear yeah. on the radio right and so that's kind of what we want like it's yeah. it's polished it's good that's what's being heard by a lot yeah. of people so we should be doing that also exactly <laughs> And I, I've definitely had to like unlearn that recently and like fall back in love with just music for music's sake and not cleaning stuff up to yeah. a crazy degree. Although I, my boundary is a mouth click, I think. Like regardless, <laughs> I'm like, take those the fuck out. They are horrific. Mm -hmm. But like a guitar buzz or like a random yeah. little little sound. Exactly. Yeah, that's there. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember listening to a podcast. I think it was like Jay Shetty. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, like, you know, um, you know, people could, are trying to strive for perfection, and it's obviously not possible. And it means that you can keep working on something and never be done because there's always going to be something else you could do. Yeah. But he was like, I always like intentionally leave five percent that I know could be better, but it's the way that I can then stop. Mm. And so now, if there's there's certain things at the end of a recording, I. I can sit there and be like, those are my 5%. It's all right. I can like let this go now. And that's been so helpful to me else. I would mm -hmm. never <laughs> stop. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think similarly for me, what I saw was, um, I think it was maybe Matt Diavello who posted this thing, but it was basically like a graphic of saying of like your project in the last like 70 to hundred percent is like perfectionism. And so for me, just realizing that, like, I don't have to, like, I, I can recognize now when I'm at that point where I'm just tweaking the smallest things in the mix yeah. that doesn't like nobody would pick that up. <laughs> yeah. And, like, and a lot of the time nobody will pick yeah, pick yeah. those things up anyway because we're <laughs> we're we're literally searching for those things. And also like people just listen to music as like a blanket thing and actually some people only listen to the lyrics some people only listen to the guitar like people have such different ways of taking <laughs> it in so when we're like oh that eq is just wrong like people don't hear that stuff uh, like we yeah. do do you know what i mean yeah yeah it's helpful to remember that every now and again though because <laughs> i can get so in my own head thinking it just sounds terrible i'm like people don't listen to music like you do you know true yeah yeah how do you listen to music then <laughs> um it depends who who i'm listening to i think mm -hmm. which so like if it's the queen ariana <laughs> i am obviously listening to her like insane like runs and stuff and just being fascinated by what she can do vocally but i'm also because i'm such a pop obsessed human being i like i love hooks and like mm -hmm. melodies and when they do like fun like 
I love creating weird melodies. It's like my favorite thing. So I, I think first of all, I'm like listening to melodies more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then I'll, I'll always be listening like for production, just if it's cool, what yeah. like instrument might that be? Like how have they affected that type thing? Um, and then, yeah, like if, if it's in the like folk realm, it's it's more inspiring in that way because I'm like, this feels closer to home. Like this could like legitimately inspire me to do something different like with my guitar or mm-hmm. the way that they've like put a different reverb on their voice for that specific bit. That sounds really cool. Maybe I, do you know what I mean? So yeah. different musicians, like I'll, I'll hear different things or hear it differently. Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think for some, like I listen to lyrics if it's, if it's like I mean, your songs are very deep, <laughs> like oh so like it's most of the time, say like it's your song. I'll be listening to the lyrics more than anything else. But then, right? I guess if it is like a, or like, it, but if it's like a Jacob Collier song, I'd be listening to like the tempo and the groove and right. kind of, kind yeah, of trying yeah. to wanting to figure that out or like listening to the harmonies that he's doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's weird isn't it i never actually like actually sat and thought about what i'm listening to and you're right like it's just different music you just listen to different things don't you yeah yeah huh yeah i think i've been really (laughs) focusing though on i am focusing on the mix that people are doing yeah right now yeah just to be like oh i should try this in my in my next song kind of thing yeah Yeah. well it's help it's really helpful i I especially do that in the middle of mixing. Like if mm. I'm trying to mix my acoustic guitar, I'll turn something on on Spotify and immediately compare it to try and get a similar kind of sound. But it's always impossible because you're obviously yeah. not having all the equipment they're going through and the mics and all that stuff. But it's helpful to be able to just like cross over and be like, okay, I'm not crazy far off here. Like we're all right, you know? Yeah, yeah. My friend was, um, I have a friend who started teaching like mastering in a production class at at like a college and um so we did kind of we did a discord call and he kind of just ran through one of his lessons with me because I was like hey I'm I have this song like would you do you have time to like listen give it give it another listen and like give me some feedback or anything and so he basically just taught me his lesson (laughs) amazing yeah and but for so he took like examples of songs that were already done, mastered, and like I think he had mixes of it or something. I don't. He had like the stems, so he was able to kind of master it from scratch. So like, wow. Then he did it. He explained everything that he did, and then you could listen to the original, like original master and his master, and see like what's different or what's how close he got to it. It's really cool. Wow. <laughs> Wait, it, does it? Because I've always thought as like people who can master music are like, I don't know, like there's only a dime a dozen. They're very rare <laughs> and like they've just got like a specific ear that can hear it. But I've always, I've, and so because of that, I'm like, it must be very hard to learn. That's what I thought. Did it feel too. that way? <laughs> really? No, because it actually didn't. Yeah, but okay, yeah, that's the kind of thing that I thought also. So I was like, oh, this is, I can't ever do this kind of thing. Yeah. But it's kind of the, it's you're basically just pushing up the volume of everything and then kind of like tweaking the EQ a little bit and, right. you know, the compression and like 
limiters and stuff. Like, right. Okay. I feel like it's just an extra step after mixing. You do all this stuff in when you're mixing, but like on individual on the stems. But then right. when you're mastering, it's kind of just like overall. Like that's one big stem that you're listening to, and you're just right. tweaking that. So interesting. I, yeah. I, I'd be curious to learn that because right now. Whilst it's very handy to just like go on e-mastered and just do all of it through there, which is very handy and it does sound great. I'm like, if I could learn an extra skill, why mm. not add another one to my resume? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure though, like the master, the people who master music and who have won Grammys, like they'd probably do something different. They probably oh, have a special thing that I don't know, but... Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, there's got because I can, <laughs> I can definitely hear a difference from when we get something like professionally mastered with Meadowlark, and when I'm doing it myself, there mm -hmm. is a noticeable difference. But I can tell you what that is, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. A part of me is kind of like, well, maybe I should just send my music off to people to get it mixed properly or master properly but i also just really want to do it myself yeah i mean I, I also it's like a big expense when when you ca if you can learn it yourself mm. why yeah it, it makes the most i i couldn't be paying for mixing and mastering of something every month or two <laughs> like that would break me in half yeah. do you know what i mean it's yeah i mean why not have an extra skill in your arsenal mm -hmm. yeah but like also the other thing though is like you still want things to sound good and polished when you put it out and like yeah. so like part of me is like well what i'm putting out i'm proud of what i'm putting out now but like looking back like the stuff that i put out two years ago maybe is not the best and i kind of cringe over that but Same. that's kind of just where i was at at that time and so it shouldn't matter but it also kind of i'm i can't not cringe about it <laughs> i feel very very similarly um i like and i say annoyingly it's obviously anything but annoying it's incredible but now like some of the older stuff that i put out a couple of years ago is the stuff that's most popular on my spotify now and so i'm listening to those like mixes and i'm like oh my god like on one particular song i must have put like the ds -er on so hard because it <laughs> literally sounds like i have like a lisp almost <laughs> And I'm like, oh my god, that's now like going doing the rounds on Spotify, and it's a terrible mix. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Alas, there we go. <laughs> Can't complain about that. Have you ever remixed and mastered and put things out, or like deleted things? No, or <laughs> no. I and no, I don't think so. But I wouldn't be against doing that mm -hmm. by any means. No, you? Yeah. I I have not yet, but I feel like I. I might do like a remix or a master of some songs. And right. I'm like, Wildfire has been a staple sad bop in my Twitch streams. <laughs> we love. And like, but like, I hate how it sounds on really? Spotify and such because just knowing that like I could have, well, maybe I couldn't have done better because I didn't know how to do better, but I can do so much better now. And also like, I've been doing, I have this redeem now called like a floop <laughs> it's a flute loop because i right. add it to my looping um and so like this one time somebody requested me to add flute over wildfire and that was like the most magical moment and i cried and everybody oh, cried really? <laughs> oh that's amazing but yeah and so like 
But like, I kind of want to release, re-release Wildfire and add flute to it now. And like, you could do be... a reimagined version. Yeah, but like then... you wouldn't have to delete the other one. Yeah, but then I also thought like. I know I'm gonna feel this again in like oh, another right. two years. <laughs> just keep keep releasing reimagine, re reimagine. Yeah, it's just gonna go on forever. Every couple of years, there's gonna be a new <laughs> edition of Wildfire. Yeah, at some point, I try much like human beings. I try to look at songs like trees. In that, like that, just is what it is. There's no point, like. Like it is its own thing now. It's like it's a fully grown thing. Let it be exactly that without like pulling it apart. Like that mm -hmm. it served its purpose for that time in your life and now it's gone and you can release it into the world. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel similarly about my song Friday. I had just, I mean, I was really, really at the like start, like beginner production wise, like, you know, my first song on Garage Band type thing. It was yeah. so basic. <laughs> And um, and it was like way before I got better mics as well. There were just there was so much to it that, but that song was on a Netflix series, so it just shows you don't actually have to have like the best mixes mm -hmm. or like the absolute best equipment. Sometimes if like the raw magic of a song is there and you have captured that in that first recording, like let that be. You know, sometimes it's that's part of the magic is like the almost the crapness of it i think <laughs> do you know what i mean because you yeah. captured like the feeling of that song in mm -hmm. that recording oh, yeah Th that that's super cool <laughs> yeah yeah was wasn't this was this netflix thing a japanese show am i remembering that correctly? yes, yes <laughs> how did was. that even happen i honestly they contacted me via band camp Oh, <laughs> which is the weird, like of all places to contact me. I haven't, and I have no idea to this day how they found it. Hmm. Um, but bloody hell, the 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 paperwork to get <laughs> like money from Japan is a fucking ball ache. It took mm. so long, and the forms were so confusing. Alm almost, obviously not, but almost to the point of me being like. I don't think I care that much. Like, <laughs> this is so confusing. I don't know how to do it. How is anyone meant to work these things out? But luckily, we figured it out. But um, yeah, band camp, weirdly. Who'd have thought? Oh, interesting. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Just like who Very thought good. your music, people would discover your music through Twitch. <laughs> exactly. You just never know. And that's, I guess that's why you got to just keep going. You just don't know who might stumble across your stream tomorrow and be like, hey, I want to give this girl a sink. You know, mm -hmm. you yeah. just don't know these things. And that is the <laughs> magic of this universe. It's crazy. <laughs> it is very cool. Yeah. I, what you said about trees, the singles being like trees. <laughs> I, I get that. Like, I mean, I would never have thought about trees. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because Ramdas talks about, he's like, you should see people like trees. Like you're not going around and being like, ew, that tree's ugly, or like, that one's too fat. Like, you just wouldn't think of a tree like that. You're just like, oh, huh, it's a beautiful tree, and it's... But you wouldn't even really, like, be judging it. You'd just see it as a tree. Mm. Whereas, like, with everything else in our lives, we're just like, ew, that's got that, that, and that. And like, no, it's just its own thing. Like, let it be, you know? Yeah. Um, I just finished reading The Untethered Soul, and, <gasps> and then you're a Did huge you enjoy? proponent of it. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting. Um, 
I don't I don't know. I felt like when I was reading it, though, I was like, I don't is like, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, the tree thing, there was like a part of it where he's like, imagine if you were God or something and like somebody maybe you hate this tree but somebody else loves this tree <laughs> yeah yeah seeing the like positive side of things and also realizing like how fickle your own thoughts and emotions are really or not even fickle but like in a really liberating way how meaningless they actually are they're just <laughs> kind of like a program like i've been programmed because of something in my childhood to like not like the way this color looks on me or something from a memory i can't even remember but like mm-hmm. someone else might absolutely love that color on me it's just kind of like a it's just it doesn't really it's a meaningless thought it's just like a programmed thought do you know what i mean and so yeah. because someone else likes it you realize how actually like it's just a story i'm telling myself it doesn't actually mean anything yeah yeah you know it's it's hard to let go of the labels though that we give ourselves Mm. we define everything we have to put labels on everything everything (laughs) else it's not a thing yeah (laughs) yeah otherwise it doesn't make sense (laughs) yeah we humans we've got to make a story out of something Mm -hmm. we dive deeper was a thing is a thing i don't know is it coming back (laughs) (laughs) someone actually asked me about i think it was tom actually um asked me about this on an Instagram question Mm. and uh, again much like the gigging I can never say never because the whole like the whole concept of it I absolutely love like it's my favorite thing talking to people and like asking ridiculously deep questions and just finding out more about the tapestry of this one person's life I think is amazing and cool and brilliant but the actual like the podcast side of it, as I'm sure you'll be aware, it's a hell of a lot of work <laughs> mm-hmm. for one person, a hell of a lot of work. And if you're not like at the top, the top of the top, like Joe Rogan having ads and sponsors and all that kind of jazz and not making money from it, there's so much that goes into it. Um, and music's always going to be my priority. It's where I want to put most of my focus, all of my focus. So when I felt that being a drain rather than that like ego part of me being like well everyone everyone's gonna be like oh she just stopped it she's like you know that part Mm -hmm. of me that's worried about what other people will think and you know am I useless for just stopping something in the middle of it um I just thought well it's draining me why would I carry on doing something that's draining me right now just because I'm scared of what people will think of me or Mm. do you know what I mean Um, And it was the same with the whole YouTube cover thing. I just go on instinct and they may be really rash decisions and just happen all of a sudden. Um, But I just kind of go on what I'm feeling and I don't want to do things that I don't want to do. Like it's my life. I want to feel happy in it as much as possible. And like if sometimes that includes not gigging and not Twitch streaming or not doing lots of podcast work, (laughs) that's what I'm going to do. And I you know i'm saying this to myself because i i feel very much like i should apologize for all these things like i should i like i actually put an instagram post about this earlier i feel like i should be doing more all the time than i am mm-hmm. and and i i had the reason i put that post up today is because i just had this realization on on my walk like 
oh my God, I don't actually have to do any of these things. Like, I don't know where this pressure is coming from, but it's mm-hmm. not, it's like, I can just sit here and like watch TV if I want, or I can, yeah, obviously we have to <laughs> make money. But like, even then, like, if you don't want to be a part of the rat race and you want to go and live in the woods <laughs> and like make your own food, you can do that. Like you can do what you want. And I think just realizing that, taking that pressure off myself, mm-hmm. I was like, huh. There's, I'm all right here. I don't have to do any of these things I don't necessarily want to do in this moment. But that's not to say I won't want to do the podcast again mm-hmm. in a year or want a gig in a month. You know, yeah. I'll just go on what I feel in the moment. Does that Great. make sense? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I feel like I sound like a bit like a brat. Like I'm like, I don't want to do it. So <laughs> no. I'll do it when I want to do it. <laughs> I mean, you're kind of, you're looking after your own mental health and everything. So I don't see how that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But definitely, like, I, before I went on some trips, like, I was trying to finish my recordings and I was trying to, I was like streaming a lot. And I was, I was like, I've, I felt like I was on the edge of burnout and coming back to it. I was like, well, because I really want to make this a thing. Like, I really want this to be like the, the main thing that, brings me an income and such and like so I should work harder at it but I was getting to the point of burnout because I was putting all this stress on myself that nobody else was (laughs) putting on to me like it doesn't make any sense really yeah and it's so easily done Uh, like we're saying when you're your own kind of boss and you always think the world is doing so much more and everyone's like you have the same opportunity. You just need to wake up and work really, really, really hard. It's terrifying. It's like, you're just like, oh my God, I've got to do everything and I have to do it to the best of my ability all the fucking time. Uh, and it's like, do you, I, don't, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to look back my life and be like, I was just working so hard that I was on the edge of burnout and yeah. stressing myself out and everyone, everyone's like so focused on their own stuff. No one's caring about what I'm doing. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I'd rather actually just like, chill out a bit and just be like yeah today's really cool I might I'm gonna do some music today and if I really love it I'm gonna go into the night at like 3 a.m and just keep doing it but if I don't Mm -hmm. I'm gonna accept that and I'm gonna go for a walk instead you know like yeah (laughs) everything's so it feels so intense in this world when you can just relax and enjoy it a bit if you want (laughs) I feel like though being like music being the career thing that's that we're talking about it kind of is different from people who have nine to five jobs and yeah who work at these big companies and have to you yeah, know when you're not your so. own boss and you have to respond to other people I feel like that it's harder for them to kind of have that freedom yeah but yeah and I I I realize very much how privileged I am and how like lucky I am to even be able to say that kind of stuff and I can only talk from my own perspective do you know what I mean and just yeah. my own like thoughts but <laughs> god knows it must be much harder for other people for sure mm-hmm. did you come up with all these questions for we dive deeper <laughs> um it's like they kind of got them from everywhere like some that I thought of um or that I've just kind of like always asked my friends or they've asked me some that I found online it was just kind of like a curated really just like from my all my all-time favorites like these are very very deep questions (laughs) (laughs) unnecessarily deep at times I would say (laughs) you just ask about people people's childhood traumas I know straight (laughs) off the bat 
Never pick number seven. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Podcast has, um, yeah, I've been realizing how much uh, work goes into it. <laughs> yeah, how are, you, how are you finding doing that? Are you enjoying it? I think that um, like when I'm, I do like editing and I do enjoy that kind of thing. But sometimes it does get to a point of like, oh, this is I don't want to rewatch this entire hour long talk to like yeah. make sure everything is fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I am trying to be like, well, the I'm always super inspired after every conversation that I have with people. And so I feel like that has to be worth more than the tedious editing in yeah. hours <laughs> and that's an amazing way to look at it if that can be the thing that kind of keeps you going then hell yeah mm -hmm. but i have been thinking about how like i'm not making any money from it also like <laughs> yeah so. and it, it's a it's a horrible thing to have to say out loud but when you put so much output and you're not getting anything back it feels very difficult to keep and mm -hmm. i guess it's like with music, for example, it's a different beast, isn't it? Because we want to put all of that output in all the time because it's our, like, everything. And that's what, like, feeds us. But conversations mm -hmm. feed me. But, mm -hmm. like, actually, like, manning a podcast does not feed me whatsoever. That's not something I would do. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. uh, if I was just having the conversations and then someone else could do all the other editing and stuff, I'd be I'd be doing podcasts from my bed every day. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, well, um, have you thought about finding people to help you do all that stuff? Do you know what? No, I haven't. Um, <laughs> I've never actually thought of that. And I think if I had like a, if I start to make more money, like if I, if I I keep saying that about everything though, like driving and and you know saving for a house, but. It, when not even if we're manifesting it when i have more money um that's definitely not something i would turn my nose up at actually i think that if i if someone else could do it all i'd 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 have chats with everyone all day every day <laughs> yeah you know i think it's when it's when it's like your own music there's so much joy in the editing cause you're hearing it as you're going along that it's nearly mm. like this but it's I don't know. It's just different when it's a podcast. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. People have asked me if like, if I would, if, if I'd like hand it off to people to edit. And I was like, well, I feel really awkward though about people seeing me being, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, like, right. I just feel yeah, like, like, yeah, like a certain facade. <laughs> yeah. Kind of thing. I can agree with that. I can get that. Yeah. We have some Patreon questions. Um, oh, amazing. If you'd like to answer some. <laughs> of course. Um, Daniel asks, what makes you keep moving forward? Oh, hi, Daniel. I feel like I remember calling you Dan once and Probably, yeah. we were like, oh, no, 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 it's Daniel. <laughs> um, so my apologies for that. Um, what keeps me moving forward? Oh, my God. What keeps me from like all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my whole life is flashing before my eyes. What does keep me going? Um, oh my God, I actually don't know. You know, like mm -hmm. some, some people like they figured out their like why, I guess, their like mission, why they're here. I, I, I feel content in just the, the everyday learning, really. The 
the forever not knowing the things just kind of like popping up every day like that's I think what kind of motivates me or like what keeps me going is just like who knows what could happen tomorrow like Mm. just keep like keep living this life that I love so much and I'm so grateful for and like that's enough to just keep me being like this is I just basically just want to keep doing exactly what I'm doing and enjoy whatever life chucks at me even if it's terrible stuff (laughs) um I love the opportunity to like learn more about myself and like grow from it and like I always find weirdly when life is like hardest that's when I'm like at my best sometimes because I'm like I'm reading all the time and I'm like meditating and I'm so in the magic of life so like I don't know I'm I'm just here for any and all and all of it I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm think of myself more as like a relaxed observer I'm not there's not necessarily something driving me I'm just like really content with just witnessing and experiencing it all mm-hmm. and ambling along you know that's great <laughs> <laughs> um he also asks will you ever get there and does it matter oh wow no <laughs> no it definitely doesn't matter and i think my getting there is death and yeah i'll definitely get there does it matter probably not <laughs> uh, yeah no i'm pretty nah it doesn't matter all right <laughs> fong has a couple of questions what's an essential part of your daily routine Oof, we like um probably my walk like listening to a podcast and being on my walk is always the the like coming back to myself moment where I'm like oh yes everything's absolutely fine mm-hmm. I actually listened to a podcast yesterday which I'm going to take on board this guy he says he does he makes sure he does these four things every single day watch me not be able to remember all four <laughs> <laughs> it was one that's connect like connect with the human being you love and feel that connection one is contribute like either read something or learn something or like you know put something into the world that's going to contribute to it Mm. um create write a song give yourself some time to just sit and amble on a piano or something and then move some form of like exercise and I thought that was really cool because I think if if my day can be filled with like three or four of those every day like I'm golden and I'll be I'll feel like a I'll be very happy each day if I can do those, I think. Yeah, those are great things. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm definitely going to implement those. How does contri- contribute and create, how are they kind of different though? Well, I guess, I guess contributing is more kind of like um, giving something to the world or like learning more about yourself so that you can be better for other people or mm. like... Whereas creating is like literally just a blank canvas. You could write, you could paint, you could, and it doesn't necessarily have to be shared, you know, it's just for the sake of creating and the joy of it. Mm-hmm. You know? Makes sense. <laughs> um, she also asks, who has had the biggest impact on your career choice? Like muse, as in like being a musician? I suppose. Who's, yeah. I mean, immediately Kina came to mind and that's obviously because because of me watching her 
on YouTube. That was obviously huge for me, realizing that could be done. But also in these last few years of her just championing independence as an artist and just just being like, you can do this and you can do that. And I don't know, just watching her is forever motivating and inspiring because <laughs> I'm like, it can be done. And she's doing it at such an incredible level and is just so good at what she does that it will never not have like an impact on me because I'm just like, damn, she can do it. I can do it, you know? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Another question from Fong. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you live by any words of wisdom? I've oh got, I have like so many that will depend <laughs> on every, for each different things. Um, what would be the thing that would like, I'd come back to most though? I was about to say, let it be, just because that sounds like a Beatles song. <laughs> um, probably like the ultimate thing is just like trust. Trust the process. Trust where you are right now. Because like, man, if you can, I can't not trust in my life really like I think of so many things that have happened or that I would have wanted to have happened that didn't or just the fact that I am where I am right now and I could have never ever imagined the way it would have gone or planned it myself I just feel such a genuine like trust in the natural unfolding of my life and so whenever I'm like really anxious about something or I'm just feeling that like unease about money or like being single (laughs) at this age or whatever it is I'm just like I just trust in it ultimately and that Mm. like really dissipates that unease because I'm like it's all right man like everyone's everyone's like on their own very unique journey and I'm the only one with this life like this thumbprint this like snowflake and so there is no wrong way to live it. Therefore, like you can't go wrong. Mm. And so you can just like sit back and just trust. And especially if you're in like observing, just enjoying mode. There's, you don't, you don't really need to worry about anything because you're just experiencing it. And then one day you'll die. It's all right. You know, <laughs> death is the, like, like honestly the ultimate, like the ultimate um, thing for me. It always relieves me of any like pain or stress because I'm just like I'm We're only here for a small amount anyway. of time <laughs> yeah like it I, it doesn't scare me if anything it liberates me because I'm like whew, I may as well enjoy it because we're gonna yeah. go one day you know for sure <laughs> yeah but like I feel like it's harder to to really trust the process when you're in the depths and feeling really down yes and <laughs> like and when things happen, like losing family and friends mm-hmm. and such, like how do how do you how do you still trust the process when you're like just In grieving so much? Like yeah. yeah. Well, to be honest, it was losing mum that made me kind of, I guess, get to the point where I started trusting in what happened. Mm-hmm. Just because now I look back at that whole phase of life and I'm like very 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 grateful for the person it's made me become i listened to this on a podcast (laughs) that's all i ever do um but they were talking they were asked like a very general question like if you could go back and live in your 20s or like gain 10 years of your life but it means that you lose all the lessons that you learned in that 10 years 
and like 90% of people were like no I wouldn't do that mm-hmm. and and so you can't, I just feel like you can't look at that no matter how horrific life can be like in the thick of it the stuff you get from it like the growth makes it so worth it no matter how horrific those things are the growth is always worth it so Mm. Uh, in those like in the thick of it moments I'm like I can trust in this this will I may not see it right now but this will be the making of me in some way or another like it just will be because it can't not be you know Mm -hmm. yeah I think a lot of people don't realize that though and Mm. and we're all kind of just stuck with these thoughts of like just we're just so stuck in ourselves and that we can't really live life as we just should (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And all, but I all, almost think that like the kind of mundane kind of stuff, like, and I say mundane as in like you have the extremes of like a grief, but like it's actually like I think the low level, not mundane, low level kind of stuff that happens every day that's genuinely harder because it, that becomes such a normal part of life that you just think that that is the way life is it's much harder to move through that whereas when it's like one thick thing Mm -hmm. of grief that it just that almost feels a bit magical because you're like I can find my way through this we're going to be all right but like having low level depression or anxiety every day that's a different beast altogether because that's Mm -hmm. almost it feels chronic at times and it feels like because you've had it for so long you're never going to get out of it so that like that's a different beast altogether and I really feel for people who like struggle with that because mm-hmm. I'm lucky that I don't but you know in the small bouts of depression that I have had and you know just a couple of days where I've felt intense anxiety I often think in those moments I'm like I feel for people who live with this all the time because mm-hmm. I couldn't do it like it's so debilitating yeah so yeah, I'm I'm speaking from a like singing from a different hymn sheet for sure. But um, as I we have a actually I can't say that, but oh. <laughs> I I almost think that you need to like there needs to be an absolutely massive crash in your life for mm. you to like get to the point where you can trust in all of it, even the like the low level stuff. Mm. Um, but obviously you don't wish that on anyone. But life will give you it. <laughs> it will definitely give you it. Yeah. There's a lot of truth in all of that. Yeah. What's something that you've done recently to like get out of your comfort zone? I guess like in a recording environment, which I'm in often, I am used to, like we were saying earlier, like making everything polished and sparkly. And because of my own like insecurities, my own voice, I'm used to tuning it somewhat. Um and you know i listen to pop music all day every day so i'm very used to hearing vocals never be out not mm-hmm. even by a slightly small bit but in um music that dan and i have been writing we we are making like a conscious effort to not to not tune anything whatsoever which for me is like like it's the most terrifying thing ever and it's actually the most vulnerable thing ever because I have such a insecurity about my own voice and how it sounds I consistently sing sharp because of my hearing and it's not crazy sharp but like I'm never like very in tune you know what I mean so I'm very aware of that um 
so it's been a massive massive like journey of self-love to because Dan is so encouraging he's like you know I want to hear the voice of the person I sing with in the room like that's why I'm in a band with you that's the voice I want to hear I love that voice I'm like yeah but it's a bit sharp and blah and he's like but like (laughs) you know like we're used to things being like on a grid with certain instruments but like there are different tones in between notes you know Mm -hmm. like it's doesn't mean it's necessarily out of tune um so I've had it's been like a labor of love trying to get me to understand and just be okay with my own voice but it's been it's been a journey very much outside of my comfort zone but I'm very glad that I'm on that journey because it's making me be like aha maybe I'm not a fucking terrible singer maybe like maybe this is okay and maybe people like my voice like that you know as mm-hmm. I trust Dan I don't think he would lie to me <laughs> um so yeah that's that's probably what's got me out of my comfort zone that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah I also so like Michael Alvarado of us the duo he started streaming on Twitch and so like that's how we got connected and everything and he was doing a lot of producing and like he started his discord community and basically he was listening to everybody's music and kind of just like giving an extra ear and you know giving some feedback and whatever or he was doing producing on a stream and he was in melodyne tuning everything and I was like oh I feel like I should have maybe tuned my songs but I think hearing it from him because he's somebody that I've followed for a while being like the out of tuneness is what makes the folk kind of genre like that's what makes it and that's what the imperfections is what makes it great (laughs) yeah yeah and I definitely like learned that over the last like couple of months I've really started to hear my voice in that kind of way like almost like demoitis in a a way like I've heard (laughs) it so much in this certain realm that even I don't want it to Mm. be tuned now because I'm like (laughs) no I get it I think I get what you're hearing now you Mm. know it's very very cool yeah very right Nico asked any plans on doing a songwriting retreat like you did with keynote with Mirabelle oh wow well actually we have no plans for a songwriting retreat but again never say never I think now (laughs) Keen is in mum world we're all just very like excited for her to be in that she's absolutely loving it um so no plans but never say never Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's pretty much all the questions that I had. <laughs> oh, May, thank but you so much. That was that was great. That's that's a lot. <laughs> thank you for having me, Mirabel. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah. This is a huge thing of getting myself out of my comfort zone. So And fuck yeah, you're doing Exciting. it. What a queen. <laughs> we love. Okay, so uh where can people find you on the internet? I mean, where can they not find me at this point? <laughs> um, Instagram. TikTok. <laughs> t- I mean, to be fair, I'm on there too. Um, I th- legitimately, the only place you can't find me, I think, is like OnlyFans. So <laughs> <laughs> Patreon, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's mostly just Kate McGill. And if it's not Kate McGill, it will be Kate Laura McGill. And if it's not Kate Laura McGill, <laughs> it will be Kate McGill Music. Mm-hmm. Great. And then okay. we're good to go. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. Bye.